What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. A video presentation of this program is available at Jonathan Van Bilsen's Photos and Travel on YouTube. Welcome to Photos and Travel, a show that introduces you to fascinating places around the world. Please welcome our host and tour guide, Jonathan Van Bilsen. Hello and welcome to this episode. Today we're going to visit one of the most popular destinations in the world, the city that never sleeps. Of course, I'm referring to New York, where stars are born and endless fun is had by all. I've had the pleasure of visiting this fantastic city numerous times. And in this episode, we're going to explore some of the more popular sites. Everything we see today can be done in four days on foot. So get ready to start spreading the news because we're leaving today for New York City right after these messages. Promotional products and apparel from PP Print will create a positive, lasting impression with customers that sets you apart from your competition. PP Print, where it's about your brand. Not all Canadians have the time nor desire to manage their finances, and often that responsibility is up to financial professionals. Our goal is to help Canadian families achieve a happy and successful financial future. Visit us in the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management. New York City, known affectionately as the Big Apple, has so much to offer tourists that quite often one does not know where to begin. Before choosing accommodation, it's important to take a look at the different areas you may wish to visit more frequently. The financial district in Lower Manhattan is filled with beautiful buildings and some very interesting boroughs, such as Chinatown, Little Italy, and the art galleries of Tribeca. In the north, you'll find Harlem with its diverse culture and exciting nightlife. And of course, the Bronx with its beautiful parks and up and coming housing developments. My personal favorite is the theater district. I always stay there and it's a short walk to all the major attractions. The area is lively and exciting and the Renaissance Hotel, where I always stay, is right in the middle of Times Square. Flying into or out of New York can be challenging at best. LaGuardia Airport is extremely busy and the eastern seaboard of the U.S. is susceptible to major storm systems. I prefer to fly into Newark's Liberty Airport in New Jersey, which is often a better bet. Be careful though, because staffing issues can often cause delays, especially when you leave to return home. The cab ride from Newark to Times Square is about 40 minutes, obviously depending on traffic, and I find mid-morning to be a great time to arrive. Usually the hotels, unless they're fully booked, will allow you to check in early, but otherwise drop your luggage and get set to explore the city. I should mention that Times Square can be noisy, so I'd recommend a room above the 12th floor if at all possible. My first stop is lunch, and one of my favorite haunts is Maman's Bakery Restaurant on 48th Street between 5th and 6th. The smell of fresh baked goods welcomes you before you even step through the doorway. 
Be prepared though for a lineup as its popularity among residents has risen immensely. One of my favorite things to do in New York is a tour of Manhattan by boat. Circle Line Cruises offers two trips which will give you a great overview of the city. The 90-minute adventure takes you partway around the island, whereas a two-and-a-half-hour trip shows you all of the highlights. I'd recommend you purchase your tickets well in advance, and for a few dollars more you can get the Premier Package, which gives you front-of-the-line access, but more importantly, a guaranteed seat on the upper deck, which is of course much less crowded. My tickets were not until 3 p.m., so I decided to take a leisurely stroll down 48th Avenue toward the water. The cruise leaves from Pier 83, which is at the foot of 43rd Street. Depending on time, a visit to the intrepid Sea, Air and Space Museum is extremely interesting. It's an American military and maritime history museum with a collection of museum ships. The museum showcases the aircraft carrier USS Intrepid the cruise missile submarine USS Growler, a Concorde SST, a Lockheed A-12 supersonic reconnaissance plane, and the Space Shuttle Enterprise. On the lower deck, there's also a reproduction of a World War I biplane. Founded in 1982, the museum closed in 2006 for a one-and-a-half-year renovation of Intrepid and its facilities. The museum reopened to the public on November 8, 2008. I boarded the Circle cruise ship and enjoyed the commentary as we left the pier. No sooner had we pulled out of port when the Empire State Building came into view. Towering majestically over Midtown New York, this landmark structure, which opened in 1931, stood as the world's tallest building until the construction of the World Trade Center in 1970. Visiting the top is an exciting experience. However, I prefer the top of the Rockefeller Center for viewing, as your vista includes the Empire State Building. I've arranged tickets to visit later this afternoon. As we rounded the tip of the island, I was mesmerized by the skyline of Lower Manhattan, where once the World Trade Center stood. This area has special meaning to me as I lost three good friends in the disaster of 2001. Today, a beautiful new building stands on the site and is known as One World Trade Center, formerly the Freedom Tower. This structure is the tallest building in the United States as well as the Western Hemisphere, and with a total height of 541 meters or 1800 feet, is the seventh tallest building in the world. The next stop along this interesting journey was Ellis Island, a federally owned island in New York Harbor. At one time, it was the busiest immigrant inspection and processing station in the United States. From 1892 to 1954, nearly 12 million immigrants arriving at the Port of New York and New Jersey were processed there under federal law. Today, it is part of a national monument and is accessible to the public only by ferry. The north side of the island is the site of the main building, now a National Museum of Immigration. The south side of the island, including the Ellis Island Immigration Hospital, is open to the public only through guided tours. Just past Ellis Island stands what is probably the most famous icon of New York Harbor, the Statue of Liberty. 
The copper statue, a gift from the people of France to the people of the United States, was dedicated on October 28, 1886. The torch-bearing arm of the statue was displayed at the Centennial Exposition in Philadelphia in 1876, as well as Madison Square Park in Manhattan from 1876 to 1882. Fundraising proved difficult, especially for the Americans, and by 1885, work on the pedestal was threatened by a lack of funds. The statue was built in France, shipped overseas in crates, and assembled on a completed pedestal of what was then called Bedloe's Island. The statue's completion was marked by New York's first ticker tape parade and a dedication ceremony presided over by President Grover Cleveland. If you feel up to it, you can climb the 354 steps to the crown. We rounded the island and sailed from the Hudson into the East River. Passing under the Brooklyn Bridge was quite amazing. It was built in 1869 and is one of the most famous bridges in the world. Many films use the iconic view under the bridge, which has now become synonymous with Manhattan. As we continued under the Manhattan and Williamsburg bridges, we get another glimpse of the Empire State Building. On the way back, I saw the Staten Island Ferry, which transports passengers to Staten Island at no charge. I made that trek many years ago and recall how close the ferry came to the Statue of Liberty. Back on land, I made my way along 45th Street to 6th Avenue, and then a short walk to 49th and the Rockefeller Center. You can take any street to get there, and the walk is about 25 minutes. I had arranged tickets in advance, again a recommended procedure, because the top of the rock is quite a popular destination. The elevator ride takes less than a minute and there's an excellent orientation video to give you a little history of the structure. At 260 meters or 850 feet above sea level, there are three sightseeing levels, each with spectacular unobstructed indoor and outdoor views of one of the most interesting cities of the world. The Rockefeller Center also boasts the famous beam walk photo, where a group of workers sat on a beam during construction, enjoying their lunch. 
The views from the top are spectacular in each direction. Here, looking north, we see Central Park. I'm always amazed at how large this area is and we'll explore it in the second half of today's episode. If you head to the opposite side, you get a great vista of Lower Manhattan, including the One World Trade Center as well as the Empire State Building. After spending ample time viewing the city, I made my way back down to explore the surrounding area before my dinner reservation. I had a few minutes to spare, so I decided to visit famous St. Patrick's Cathedral. This massive Catholic church takes up an entire city block and was constructed in 1858. Dinner is at one of my favorite eateries, the Terrace and Outdoor Garden Restaurant, which is inspired by French brasseries and American shop houses. It's located in the Edition Hotel, and the food is simply amazing. But again, a reservation is a must. The Circle Line Tour is a fantastic way to see the city from a totally different perspective, and visiting the top of the rock gives us views of the city unmatched anywhere. When we return, we'll head to Soho in Greenwich Village, walk through Central Park, and maybe even visit a few art galleries. We'll be right back after these messages. At Voss, your independent grocer, it's all about hometown living and shopping. Owned and operated by Port Perry's own Terry and Christine Voss, the independent grocer carries many local items to support our town and its residents. Pet Value has a fleet of services to help you and your pet live their very best lives. Visit Pet Value Port Perry for all of your pet's needs. Pet Value, your pet, your store. Welcome back. As I mentioned, we're going to continue our four-day adventure of New York City by heading to Soho and Greenwich Village. For those of you old enough, Greenwich Village was where the coffee houses of the 60s introduced us to Peter, Paul and Mary and Bob Dylan. 
Heading south from Times Square, I made my way along 7th Avenue, stopping at Macy's Department Store on 34th Street for a bit of shopping. The deals may not be that great, but the selection in this unbelievably huge store is second to none. The building is 230,000 square meters, or 2.5 million square feet, making it the largest department store in the United States. Shopping at Macy's is an experience, and one that is not to be missed. It is easy to spend a day there, however, I can only handle so much shopping and head west for a block to take a look at Madison Square Garden. This, the fourth arena of the same name, was built in 1968 and is the oldest major sporting facility in New York metropolitan area. It is the oldest arena in the NBA and the NHL. As of 2016, MSG, as it's affectionately known, is also the second busiest music arena in the world in terms of ticket sales. Directly across the street and partially underneath is the fantastic Penn Station. It has recently been renovated and is now considered the nicest train station in the city. Pre-pandemic, more than 600,000 passengers commuted through here per day and most of the infrastructure sits below Madison Square Garden. The core has three levels, concourses on the upper two and train platforms on the lowest. The two levels of concourses, while renovated and expanded during the construction of Madison Square Garden, are original to the 1910 station, as are the tracks and platforms. I continued my on-foot exploration of New York City by making my way along 34th, looking for the Christmas miracle that took place here, at least according to Hollywood. A few steps further, and I stand face to face with the Empire State Building. You seldom have a street view of this magnificent tower, and staring up the sides makes you appreciate how tall the building is. The Art Deco skyscraper stands 102 stories tall in Midtown Manhattan. It was built in 1931 and was given the name, representative of New York's nickname, the Empire State. You can purchase tickets to go to the top, but as I mentioned earlier, the city view from the Rockefeller Center is much nicer, as it includes the Empire State Building. I continue my adventure south on 5th Avenue, stopping at the Flatiron Building. Originally known as the Fuller Building, it's a triangular 22-story steel-framed landmark building in what has become known as the Flatiron District. Completed in 1902, the name Flatiron comes from its resemblance to a cast-iron clothing iron. Called one of the world's most iconic skyscrapers and quintessential symbol of New York City, the Flatiron Building was designated a New York City landmark in 1966. It was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1979. Our trek continues through Greenwich Village, home of the 1960s folk music and art scene. I stopped to admire Washington Square Park, one of the most well-known parks in New York City, especially with its famous arch, which photographically frames the skyscrapers behind. If music is your thing, a visit to Bleecker Street, most famous today as a Greenwich Village nightclub district, is a must. The street connects a neighborhood today popular for music venues and comedy, but it was once a major center for American Bohemia. We make our way to Soho and all the dining and boutiques imaginable are within our reach. There are two districts here, Soho and NoHo, and they're divided by Houston Street. They were so named because one is south of Houston and the other is north. 
One of my favorite stops in Soho is Chobani, a yogurt cafe where you can get any mixture of fruit and yogurt. Stopping for a rest here is a must, and if you grab a window seat, you can watch the people go by. There are some fantastic shops in this area. One of my favorite is Mackenzie and Childs, a porcelain boutique featuring hundreds of unique items including dozens of teapots. Soho offers many eateries and my favorite is definitely Balthazar. Opened 25 years ago, the French Brasserie restaurant has become an icon of Soho. The restaurant is vibrant and bustling and seats 180 people. Balthazar is well known for celebrity watching and quite often you'll see the likes of Taylor Swift or Kate Blanchett. Although I've never seen any recognizable celebrities, I did see several interesting people. I should mention reservations at this famous Soho eatery are a must. Theaters in New York are plentiful and I would recommend you attend at least one production. You can of course buy tickets in advance, but if you're inclined to save a few dollars, I'd suggest stopping at the TKTS ticket booth in Times Square to get same-day tickets. The booth offers discounted tickets for Broadway shows on the same day with discounts of up to 50% off their original prices. Remember though, you must visit the ticket booth in person, as these tickets cannot be purchased online or over the phone. With great memories of a Broadway show, not to mention some yummy gelato as a nightcap, a good night's rest and a hearty breakfast, and I'm ready to head out again. Today I'm tackling Central Park, one of the most well-known parks in the world. It's a mere 10-minute walk from my hotel, but walking through Central Park can take hours. You should decide what you want to see before you set out and get a map. On this trip I decided to visit Strawberry Fields, made famous by the Lennon-McCartney song of 1967. To set the record straight, the song was written by John Lennon about a Salvation Army property in the Liverpool suburb of Woolton. It operated as a children's home and Lennon used to play there as a kid. The Central Park Strawberry Fields was named in honor of Lennon in 1981 after his sudden death near the area. Yoko Ono distributed Lennon's ashes there. Sheep Meadow is another favorite place to stop in the park. The area seems to be part of a drone shot in most Hallmark movies set in the Big Apple. Sheep Meadow was originally designed as a parade ground in the 1850s. However, it was instead converted to a pasture with sheep, which were housed in a nearby sheepfold that now contains the Tavern on the Green restaurant. The sheep were removed in 1934. Sheep Meadow has a long history as a gathering place for large-scale demonstrations and political movements. These have included festivals, rallies, concerts and protests such as the many be-ins of the 1960s. Though sports and gatherings were gradually allowed through the late 19th century, Sheep Meadow saw significant deterioration because of overuse. A regulation prohibiting sports was enacted following a 1980 renovation, and the meadow was restored again in 2000. There are so many places to visit in Central Park, but if your time is limited, I would recommend a stop at Bethesda Terrace. It is an unbelievably beautiful area with a giant lake and a massive fountain which is topped with an Angels of the Waters statue. Across from the fountain stands the famous terrace itself. 
beautifully decorated, this 150-year-old structure has great acoustics, and quite often, licensed buskers can be found here. I made my way past a giant Alice in Wonderland statue created in 1959 as a gift to the children of the city by publisher George Delacorte. It's a memorial for his deceased wife, Margarita. I wanted to visit the Metropolitan Art Museum as well as the Guggenheim, so I cut my Central Park visit short and exited via 65th Street to Park Avenue. One of the finest art galleries in the world is the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It is the largest of its kind in the Western Hemisphere with over 2 million works in its permanent collection. The museum is the fourth largest in the world, surpassed by the Hermitage in St. Petersburg, the Louvre in Paris, and the National Museum of China in Beijing. The Metropolitan Museum of Art was founded in 1870 with its mission to bring art and art education to the American people. The museum opened in 1872 and even during the recent pandemic attracted 2 million visitors a year. A short walk up the street on the opposite side stands the uniquely shaped Guggenheim Museum. It was founded and designed by Frank Lloyd Wright with financial support from Solomon and Peggy Guggenheim. The museum was opened in 1939 as the Museum of Non-Objective Painting and adopted its current name in 1952, three years after the death of its founder, Solomon Guggenheim. Before visiting the Museum of Art, check the schedules. The Met is closed on Wednesdays and the Guggenheim does not open until 11 a.m. Walking Manhattan is an interesting yet informative way of seeing the city. I average about 20,000 steps each day and just learned that that's the equivalent of 16 kilometers or 10 miles. Not too bad when you spread it over an entire day. If walking is not your thing, there are many tours, hop-on hop-offs and taxis to be had. Keep in mind that hailing a cab in New York City is now very difficult as Uber has taken over. The transit system in New York City is also very extensive and extremely safe. Time to head back to the hotel, stopping at Tiffany's, Harry Winston and Cartier for a little browsing. I decided not to buy anything, instead spending my money at the M&M store and Hershey's, as well as the Harry Potter store. And that ends our four-day adventure of New York City. Experiencing Soho and Balthazar restaurant was amazing. 
but the scenery of strolling through Central Park was very relaxing. Nothing beats the nightlife of the Times Square area and a culture found in some of New York's museums is world-class. For Photos and Travel, I'm Jonathan Van Belsen. It's been my pleasure to be your tour guide today and I look forward to our next adventure. If you like this program, please click the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a five-star review to get all episodes of Photos and Travel. Follow Photos and Travel on social media for extra content and stunning photography from around the world. Photos and Travel episodes are produced by Xform Media. To contact us, please email info at photosandtravel.com. We endeavor to make all information contained within this program as accurate as possible at production time. Consult local, national, and international authorities before making any travel plans. Photos and Travel and X4 Media are not responsible for any liabilities resulting from information contained in this program. For more information, please visit photosandtravel.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.